Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Amen. You may be seated. ushers to come forward while they're coming I'm going to give you the announcements real quick all right make sure you get a bulletin make sure that if you didn't turn in a graduate form tonight is it that's it it's over as far as we're concerned they didn't even graduate if you don't turn it in tonight okay I don't know what everybody else will say but no, anyway so make sure you get that turned in no youth group on Tuesday night so remember that we'll start back up the next week don't forget next Sunday, Memorial Day picnic. And uh, remember that Wednesday night, 
Uh, Robbie's going to be preaching for us. Him and Katie are going to do a little bit of singing. And then the little thing after, right? little shindig, right? 25 years of marriage. All right. So we praise the Lord for that. But uh, again, make sure you grab it for the things that are a little bit further out there. Uh, and remember those as well. Billy, would you ask a blessing on the offering this evening? this last verse at the name of Jesus bowing falling prostrate at his feet king of kings in heaven will crown him when our journey is complete precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of him precious name Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Amen. You may be seated.
wonderful that all the time he's just he's trying to and I don't want to say this the wrong way 
But it's like he's just trying to figure out how to get us to spend more time with him. We just kind of keep shrugging him off. And he's like, look at this. Look how good I met to you in this area. And we're like, yeah, that's nice. But I would rather go do something else. Gives us a place to worship like this. Amen. We come in and feel his presence week after week. And we get revived. But then I know I'm guilty too. I walk out on Monday and then I don't spend the kind of time that I should with him. Even though I come in and go, boy, that was the highlight of my week. And I walk out. But he's inviting you daily into his holy place. A holy of holies. We can go in. Man, I'm thankful for some holy ground. Amen.
I want you to turn with me there, and we're going to read a couple of verses and take a look at what the Lord has for us from this book this evening. And uh, I've enjoyed preaching uh, through the Minor Prophets. I, I think it's been absolutely wonderful uh, that the Lord's let us do that, and it's been a, a great blessing. I want to, uh, what I want to do, there's so many things in here that we, that we could go through. We're going to go through different ones, so it's okay. But, so we'll start in chapter 1 and verse number 1. We'll read the first four verses, and then we'll ask the Lord to help us. If you'd stand with me as we read the Word of God, Habakkuk chapter number 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and they are they rise up that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. i got to keep going. I can't stop there. Behold ye, this is God answering, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to be in your house tonight. Dear Lord, you are indeed holy. You are worthy of all praise. There is no one like you. You have separated yourself in deed. You have separated yourself in word. You have created all things by the power of your own voice and nature. And by you, everything that is consists. This indeed separates you and makes you completely distinct from us and from all other gods. Dear God, we want to be careful to praise you, to give you that honor as being holy and unique and, uh, and, and just lift you up. Dear God, I pray tonight as we look at this book and as we consider just a few things from it that you would help us. Dear Lord, I, I believe that it's been a great blessing to be in here in these books and they still apply, help us, help us to grow. But one of my favorite things, Lord, is I believe they're teaching us about you. You are revealing your character in these books. And dear God, I believe that if we want to know you better, we should study them and find out more about who you are. So help us tonight, dear God, as we spend a few moments doing that. Dear Lord, you've been so gracious to us all day with worship and dear Lord, letting our hearts be lifted and brought close to you. So tonight, dear God, I pray that you'd comfort us with your word and challenge us. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to go ahead and give you a little bit of the, the outline or the, the, the lay of the land of this book. It's a short book, much like Nahum, that only has three chapters in it. It's a short book that is very poetic in the things that it does. And basically, it also points out this. Habakkuk is a little bit unusual from some of the other prophets in that he is not necessarily speaking about the prophecies against Israel or against another country. It is almost as if Habakkuk is having a conversation with God. Habakkuk comes here in this passage of scripture and as he does, we, we already read that, and he brings his complaint, as it were, to God. And he asks God in those verses that we read, why is it that the heathen that is all around me is raging? As a matter of fact, when we were reading in Nahum, we were looking at the fact that Nahum here is looking at the city of Nineveh. We were remembering that Jonah kind of asked the same question. Nineveh repented, but, yet, but then later on down the road, God destroys them. But here we see Habakkuk looking around and he's saying, why, God, why are you allowing these folks around about us who are more wicked than we are 
to be the ones that would bring judgment to us. It just doesn't seem fair, and it doesn't seem right. As we move through the narrative in, in uh, verse number 5 and moving through the rest of chapter number 1, there is a bunch of poetry that speaks at why God says he's doing those things. We're going to look at those in a little bit more detail, and we're going to kind of look at them as, as he brings them out. He answers him there, and then as he moves into the end of chapter 1, going into chapter number 2, he asks another question, and he looks to God, and he says, God, don't you understand? Uh, you're the Holy One. You're the one that has done everything. He said, you know, you are holy. We are your people. Hold them accountable. And he is appealing to the holiness of God. God says, listen, this is not going to stand forever. These things are going to be taken care of. I indeed am holy. But as he comes to the end of it in chapter number 3, much like Job, as a matter of fact, I love this very much, because in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 20, this is what God's final response a little bit is to him. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. In other words, be quiet. That's enough. It's kind of harsh, isn't it? I've heard you. I've heard your complaint. But that's enough. You can stop. You ever said that to one of your kids? I've heard you. You've made your argument. And you haven't changed my mind. That's enough. Right? Have you ever said it that calmly to them? Probably not, right? Me neither. Keep silent. Keep silent. In chapter number three, Habakkuk praises the Lord. And he says, Okay, God, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what's taking place. As a matter of fact, when we come to verse number 17 of chapter number 3, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olives shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. These are all phrases we keep hearing throughout here of good times and of bad times. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon high places. To the chief singer on my stringed instrument. Much like Job, too, he says, Okay, though you slay me, still I will worship you. It doesn't matter what's going on. I will worship. He's worthy. Man. It's a simple book, isn't it? I just want to point out a couple of things tonight. I'm not going to take a real long time. One of the things that I believe as we've moved through these books. We talked about it in Nahum, and I really almost feel like I'm going to have to go back through some of them. We talked about the long-suffering of God, the character trait of His long-suffering that is displayed in the book of Nahum. I believe in the book of Habakkuk, we see that the character trait of God's holiness is being displayed to us. I think that there are some, some things about that that are important. I'm not going to go too long into them. Number one, he is holy. Okay? I know you're saying, Mike, you, that, that makes sense. We've, we keep talking about that. But what I want you to understand about that is he cannot do anything that is not holy. Okay? Sometimes you have character traits about God and you might say, well, God does this, and God sometimes is like this, but God is holy, okay? So whatever he does will, is going to be holy. That is what's going to come from it. Not only is he holy, but he is higher than us. His ways are higher than ours. And here's the other one, just as we go into this. 
just so that you get this, as much as we want to try, we don't understand wholly. Okay? We're going to talk about that in this. We, we really try to make our best effort at it. There's so many of these things about the character of God that we spend all of this time talking about, and we want to explain it this way, and we want to explain it this way, but some of them you can't understand. Are you okay with that? Right? Trinity. Okay? I know you've got your fancy illustrations about the egg, and it's three parts, but it's one. But that's not, God's not an egg, okay? He's not. He's all things. I, I still don't understand all of it. How is it that God can become flesh and that third part of the Trinity walked among us? And then the other day as I was reading a commentary and they were talking about the fact that, you know, and we talk about this and we got to be careful. Jesus Christ himself admitted to the disciples that he was not all knowing. Did you know that? He said, not even the son of man knows the time or the hour when he's coming back. We act like Jesus Christ walked on this earth, like he knew everything and he had everything figured out and everything was easy for him, but it wasn't. He was a real man. And you know what? Somebody mentioned it in a commentary and I thought it was beautiful. Can you imagine the, the just the, what it meant to Jesus Christ to walk into the temple, to open up the scrolls, to read them from Isaiah like we talked about in Nahum and read them and then say to everybody, this day, this is fulfilled. When do you think that notion hit Jesus Christ that I'm the Messiah? Right? And when that did hit him, wonder what he thought about that. I can't say that in front of these people. They'll kill me. But he did say it. And he trusted God, did he not? Yeah. He trusted what God was doing. Isn't that amazing? He trusted what God was doing in his life. We already see it at the garden. He didn't know what God was doing. Why? Because God was holy. And in that instance, he was a man. And he said, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And so we see these things about God's character and about his holiness that are just so far above ours, we can't understand them. So I want us to go and look at just... We're just going to outline it real quick. We're not even outlining it. We're just going to say a couple of things. So in chapters 1 and 2, we already mentioned that Habakkuk brings his question, brings his complaint, and his petition before God. Okay? I just want to start with number one on here. Okay? It's okay to question God. You might be saying, Mike, that's, you know. But you've heard it. You've already, you guys in here aren't novices. You've been here already. We understand that Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What is going on? We see all throughout the Psalms that there's many times that David says to God, God, why are people coming after me all the time? Why does it seem like I have no peace? And even the very similar question that Habakkuk is asking right here is why do the wicked prosper? Why is it, God, that you are letting these wicked people rule over me and be in charge? You ever ask that question, right, in America? Why do you let these wicked people rule over us, right? And we look around and we ask, and I want to start with number one, it's okay to question God. I got a couple of little subpoints on here. I'm going to be real quick and real brief tonight. It's okay to question God. First sub-point, he's up to the challenge, okay? All right? You're not going to ask him a question that he hasn't heard before, okay? Go ahead. Bring your question to him. Bring it to him in sincerity. He wants to talk to you about it. Did you know that? Number two, this one's a little bit tougher, okay? Don't expect to understand, okay? I want you to notice this in our passage of Scripture right here. Verse number 5 of chapter number 1. Behold, this is, he said, Habakkuk said, God, what's going on? Is your law slacked? Are you not being who you should be because all these people are out here? That's verse number 4. And then he says, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. He says, just take a look at what's going on. He says, 
For I will work a work in your days. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing what I want to do. Which ye will not believe. Though it be told unto you. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, even if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe me. That's what God's saying. We can question God, bring our answers to God, but listen, His ways are so high above your ways that even if He told you what He was doing, you'd go, no, that can't be it. Case in point, Jesus Christ. Amen? He kept telling them, he kept telling them, there's a Messiah that's going to come. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to suffer like no man has ever suffered. He kept telling him in Isaiah, he's going to not have any, there's nothing going to be beautiful about him. There's nothing that's going to look right. He's going to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to be this, and he kept painting the picture for him. And when Jesus showed up, what did they say? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. If he told you, listen, what he was doing in your life today, and he plotted out the rest of the life of your life, living for him and doing what, you wouldn't believe it for one second. You'd say there's no way. If he showed us what he was doing in this world, we would not believe it. So when we come to this situation of when we question God and we look for God for answers, the point of the exercise is not for us to find out the answers. The point of the exercise is for us to understand just how holy God is. He is working all things for the good to them that love Him and are called according to his purpose. He's doing that. Everything. The good, the bad, the things you don't like, the people you don't like, God is using them. They didn't like the Assyrians. They didn't like these armies that were around. God was using them. God had a purpose for them. He was using them. All right, number two, okay? He says to him here, go with me over to chapter two. Here's the second point that we learn about this holiness, and it goes right along with it. It's like a building block. Chapter 2, verse number 4. Well, let's go, to, let's go to verse number 2 and then read down. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry, don't worry, it's coming. Behold, his soul is lifted up, is not upright. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. There's the second part of that. Okay, if you want to live for the Lord, okay, you're going to have to live by faith. You cannot live by sight following Jesus. At some point, you got to stop asking him all those questions and just trust him. Just trust him. We live in that kind of society where, man, we want to get... And listen, I'm not talking here about being, uh, you know, just spacey or out there and, and, and not caring. But what I am talking about is being real enough with God. Man, I do believe this. Oftentimes, we take faith out of the equation. We make sure that we've got everything lined up and everything right, you know. And if, and if you're like me, I grew up where it was mandatory reading for us in my schools to read about uh, David Livingston and William Carey and these missionaries that went out and left everything, never to come home again, not sure where they were going or what they were doing, just saying, Lord, you called me to India, I'm going to India. You called me to Africa, I'm going to Africa. And they stepped out by faith. We have a difficult time with that. Faith to us means that we raised all of our support, and I'm talking about missionaries again, and we got everything lined up, and if stuff gets too tough on the field, well, we'll just come home, right? But, 
And again, I'm not, I, I don't want to be tough on that or act too harsh on it, but the just shall live by faith. What element are we bringing to this relationship with God where we just trust Him? We just walk by faith. Or we say, Lord, I'm going to do it. Are you okay with this? Walking not by facts, not by what you know, not by what you can prove, but simply walking by faith. Verse number 20 of the same verse is my third point. Can you keep silent? But the Lord is in His holy temple. His ways are so high above ours, there is absolutely nothing that we can imagine. Can we just be silent? Be still and know that He is God. Give the time for His presence to be real enough to us to do His work that we could understand who He is. There is a song that I, I and I have to mention it about this, that uh, uh, Keith and Kristen Getty sing. And I had been listening to it and listening to it. Uh, and I honestly did not understand that it was derived right from this passage of Scripture. But they go right to this passage of Scripture and sing a beautiful chorus about the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth. And then they go right into this second phrase, just like with Job. And they say, God is saying, where were you? Who are you? Don't you understand who I am? In the book of Job, when... God finally answers Job, and Job is questioning and questioning and questioning. What does God say? He says, Job, where were you at when I created everything that is? When I put the stars in the sky, what were you doing? Do you have any idea how I made that happen? We have no idea, do we? We can't even begin to fathom some of the most simplest things in our universe and what's going on. As a matter of fact, some people laugh at me for it, but I keep this book about quantum physics in one of my bags. And you know what they tell you about quantum physics? If you say that you know anything about quantum physics, you don't know anything because it breaks all the rules. It's just crazy. And these are the smallest parts of matter that are in our universe and everything that's going on. And not only as it gets bigger does it get more complicated, but as it gets smaller, it gets more complicated. What is God doing? We can't even touch it, right? What are, we can't even imagine. Who are we to question who he is? Maybe we should be silent and let him speak. Let all the earth keep silent. Then he says this, I believe that this type of attitude, this type of faith in our life, this type of reliance upon Jesus Christ brings us to a place like where Habakkuk is at the end of it. It creates the attitude that I will rejoice no matter what. My eye is not fixed upon the storm, but my eye is fixed upon the storm. Isn't that wonderful? I can trust him to take care of me. I'm not putting my faith in man anyway. I'm not relying on them to take care of me. I'm not relying on them for the, he is everything we need. We find that we don't need everything perfect before we go to serve him. We don't need everything just the right way. Listen. And I put these in my notes, and I'm going to be done with this right here tonight. We don't need everything perfect before we praise Him, before we love Him, or before we serve Him. Isn't it sad when we're Christians who are one-way streets? The only time we praise God is when He has been overly abundantly good. But this attitude of knowing His holiness knowing his ways are higher than ours, understanding who he is, and then just, listen, being, keeping quiet, creates in us a heart that can worship him. It doesn't need the good times. It doesn't need the good, and I love this, it doesn't need the good times to praise him, 
to love him, to serve him. Because those three things flow in order like that. We love him and we praise him. That's where service comes from, right? Because of the response to it, right? It does us no good as pastors and leaders just trying to force people to serve God if they don't love him, if they're not praising him. Those things got to flow out of that heart. He is holy and he's worthy to be praised. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Daryl, come around and get us a hymn of invitation tonight. The Lord is in his holy temple. Maybe tonight you felt the presence of God and he's come in and blessed you. He's moved in your heart. And maybe tonight what you need to do, whether at the altar or where you sit, you need to just be quiet for a moment. Say, God, what are you telling me? What do I need to trust you for? What am I holding? What's going on here? God, it might just be time to be quiet. Say, God, speak. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. Use it tonight as you see fit. In your name we pray. Amen. We stand and sing. Keep the Father's love for us How best beyond all measure That He would give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me